the devil is a goddamn liar. <laughs> that's how I'm starting the show today. That's that's how I'm starting the show today. Uh, welcome. Welcome to uh, the The Way I See It podcast, Episcopal Baptist, uh, Pentecostal, Church of the Living God, Community Presbyterian, Evangelical uh, okay. Church. I'm I'm never going to be Church of God in Christ. No shade, but I'm just never going to be Kojic. Dot um, com. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Way I See It podcast. Um, I am your host, Josh DeWay, and um, this is my shit. You know, this is my show, and, you know, we're going to do some things today. We're going to have a great episode. So let's get into it. Welcome back. Um, we are uh, back. Uh, we are short two cousins tonight, uh, but the Lord has um, the Lord has been kind. The Lord is kind. Um, so uh, Laron is not here as well as Shell, um, but we have a new cousin that is joining in with us. She's filling in. Uh, we have Brittany. Hey, Brittany. Hey, cousin. <laughs> How you feeling this week? The Lord, is, the Lord is kind. Yes, he. Oh, the Lord is kind. I think that's going to be the thing kind. tonight. The Lord is kind. Um, and our our cousin um, has had five margaritas, so I'm just going to let y'all know. Be careful today. Be careful. Uh, we wow. don't know what's going to proceed out of the man of God's mouth. But um, Jeremy, how you how you be? Have y'all seen Dream Girls? <laughs> Have we? <laughs> yeah. So you remember in um. About no, never mind, never, I, mind, never, mind, never mind. I hate you so much. I hate never you mind. so much. I do not like you. <laughs> See, baby, you got to put the margaritas down. Happy the tequila. <laughs> Happy the tequila. Uh, <laughs> so we have, you know, since, since since we are discussing the state of the church today, um, in today's episode, I wanted to play a churchy game. Oh God, I want to play a churchy game. You know, because you know, I'm all things church. I'm all things church, and you know, for as inappropriate as I am, I really am churchy. You know, I really am churchy. I'm, I'm a, a mess. But so I want to play, um, finish, finish the lyric, aka saying. Oh God! Uh, so this, so this, this should be, <laughs> this should be Easy. funny. And I, and I know that we're gonna have a, a whole debate. So let's go, let's go. Uh, I'm gonna start easy. Um, <laughs> slash trivia because I just got a question. How many? T- <laughs> this is so dumb. How many times do you say praise the Lord before the church takes you serious? <laughs> when testifying, twice. You okay? Y- listen, you you ain't said a thing <laughs> if you don't say praise the Lord twice. Praise, praise the, Lord. the Lord, everybody. I said, I said praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord everybody. <laughs> Until you said, until you double up on it, you ain't said a thing. Mm. Um, okay, uh, here's a song. Didn't I tell you 
Why do we clap like that? Hold on. Before you ask, why do we why do the church people clap like that? Is what is where did we get that from? Didn't I tell you? It will from be ceiling. all right. It will be oh. Oh, see, this is where I miss Laron, because Laron would have went, uh oh. Uh-huh. Hiya. Hiya. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, let's so let's do this. Let's fight. Father Abraham had many sons. Sons. Okay, y'all wrong. Y'all, no, no. It is children. No, no. Baby, that's not it what I learned children. in vacation Bible school. Negative. And we, I was at my church. <laughs> at my church, we said, Father Abraham had many children and many uh-uh. children, Father Abraham, and Mm-mm. I am one of them. That's 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 the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so basically, speaking of dream girls, you are Dina's <laughs> version of one night only. And me and Britt are wow. Effie, the better wow. version. Because wow. it's definitely, it have be sons, and you have be changing the melody and the rhythm, and it have be wrong. <laughs> well, hell, I guess, I guess we was the first, we was the church that, that you know, took pronouns. We said, nah, you ain't, you ain't no girl singing son. Which, you know, y'all probably right. Y'all probably, we, we were wrong. Children. What? I mean, we know that, but still. Hey, um, <laughs> oh. okay, one more, one more. Um, oh, this is a good one. Um, Jesus, sweet Jesus, lily of the valley, bright and morning star. Oh, jeez. <laughs> He coming. Ooh. Hey God. He coming. Hey God. Bride and Omega. Oh Omega. Oh Omega. He coming. So as a kid, so as a kid, ooh, that's the it. That's it. So as a kid, I would say, uh, calling every nation, bless his name. But it was not until I became an adult that I learned that it was God of every nation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You know, I think I heard wrong when I was little. I think I, I think I really made up my own lyrics. I did too, cause what's the um, living? He loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freed me forever. One day he's coming back, baby. I don't know what I used to say. Ooh, <laughs> I know it's always glor- been glorious day. Glorious, yeah, it's always I, been glorious day. I don't think I used to say that. I don't know what I was saying. But it wasn't until I was at church and they put the lyrics on the screen. I was like, oh, Jesus. My God on tonight. Them lyrics will come every see, time, won't they? <laughs> baby, and see, we, we honor the Lord for the progression of the church. We honor the Lord for the media up. team. Because where would we be without lyrics? We'd be tossed to my heart, fro. <laughs> 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 um, speaking of Speaking of the church, I want to bring to center stage tonight um, the world's auntie, America's auntie, that baby is saved. You understand me? I want to bring auntie evangelist. Ha, hoglo. Y'all, I'm going to be extremely churchy this episode. I just want you to know. I just want you to prepare your hearts. I am going to. I feel it in my belly. I'm That's going to be new. super churchy. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, mm. I almost said fuck you, but I'm being churchy and I'm not going to say that. I mean. Um, <laughs> anywho. I'm I'm giving honor where honor is due. 
So we bring in Auntie Tabitha, Auntie Evangelist uh, Tabitha Brown to the center stage. Um, Auntie Tabitha is really out here doing it for the babies. She has her brand new um, YouTube series for children. And I watched some of it today. It is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love that Auntie Tabitha is winning. Mm -hmm. I love that she is consecutively winning. And it is just doing my heart so so very good, and that her, that her message isn't changing. She's very adamant about saying, "No, I prayed for this, and God is so good." And I love that she lets us in on those initial moments where she's just finding stuff out, and it's just like, "Oh God, I thank you." You know, it's I, I love when people are unashamedly mm-hmm. um, proud of what they believe in God and, you know, they, it's not, yeah, I've been working hard for the money and I love when people attribute their success to the helper. Hey, absolutely. It it blesses me. And the way that her husband is so supportive, like that for me, I didn't know, you know, that, cause you know, like, I think people look down on, marriages like that first of all it's like if you're not even married then shut the fuck up but you know the fact that he's been so supportive of her like this is your time so i'm gonna support you and she did the same thing for him you know what i'm saying and like that to me is just that's goals yeah I, i would like a life partner like that that when it's my time you know if i've supported you you'll turn around and reciprocate the same thing to me when it's you know when it's time for me to do that so yeah, and there's Kudos. no competition. There's yes. no competition in the house. It's I'm happy for you. I, I I'm I'm comfortable being on the sideline, being your cheerleader. Absolutely. It's not always it's not always about men. It's not about well, I'm the wife, so happy wife, happy life. No, it's happy us. Right. Right. So yeah, we we love you, Auntie. We <laughs> I quote you a lot on this show. So uh we love you and we are very proud of you. Keep being black. Hey Donna, <laughs> um, Jeremy, who been ringing your phone? You know, it's the people for me who take a serious moment or just any moment for Twitter clout. Like it really vexes my spirit. My so we might get into this later. I don't know, but if you have not heard, I'm sure you have by now. Nick Cannon lost, you know, his baby boy. And I watched the interview and that just, you know, it really, it really, it did something to me. Cause I mean, I don't, I've never lost a child before, but just seeing him and like, imagine, like when he talked about, like, I was on my way to the airport and something told me to turn around and go back, you know, and I, I watched and he said, I watched the sunrise and I watched the sunset. I was just like, "I, I can't, you know, but so as I'm reading on Twitter, as I always do, this girl, and I'm about to, I'm going to mention her name. <laughs> I don't care. At Crash Bandicooch, which is, oh. that's dumb as fuck. Wow. Um, so that's she cute. quoted on an article about Nick and she said, not trying to be insensitive, but Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon learning the hard way that children are not assets. And I'll leave it there for now because I know it's too soon. And I'm just like, huh? Read the room. 
But what's crazy is earlier, I was as I was sitting at the bar on Margarita number five, mm-hmm. um, she she protected her tweets. She made her account private. So it's like if you're gonna say some bullshit, stand in it. Don't backpedal. In. I, I can't stand when people do that. Like you wanted your moment, you got it. People are reading you for filth, and you want to say, "Oh, it's not a big deal." Y'all know you meant what the fuck you said. That's not the time to talk about that. Yes, Nick Cannon has a roster of kids. Who cares? But that doesn't take that doesn't take away from him losing a baby. I think he had a, what a brain tumor. Like so, yeah. Don't call me back. I'm out of free minutes. I'm out of Wi Fi. Just shut the fuck up. Like let people have their time. There's a time and a place for everything. There wasn't a time and place for this. But yeah, just like what do you mean? What do you mean? Not trying to be insensitive, but but cancels out everything the fuck you said. So at this point. Yeah. Because you you were absolutely being insensitive, and this is what this is what I gained from watching that video. Um, he has a lot of children, so what? You know, right. our grandparents were doing that back in the day, and they didn't have the resources that he had. You know, uh, that he has. So, I mean, if that man decides that he wants to repopulate the earth, that's his business. What Period. I appreciated about that video, though is what he said. He said, I make sure I spend time with all of my children. Right. And he was very active in the child's life. And and the thing that made my heart smile about that video was he said, you know, at month one, he was this happy child, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We call him Z Chill or whatever he said. He said, month two, I started noticing this Mm -hmm. other call. That let me know that he's not one of these fathers out here that's just, I got a lot of kids and I, I send them money. Yeah. He paid attention. He was in tune, right. He was in tune and he saw something was off with his child. So he gained even more of my respect in that moment because he's it, very early on, he's letting his children know he sees them. Absolutely. And he sees all of them individually. So that's what I got. But I, too, had to um, get somebody off of my social media pages. It's a, a woman who calls herself to be a prophet. But I, I, I can't. She was like, um, she was like, I um, y'all, y'all, y'all tend to get starstruck when, when it's the celebrities. But God is not um, res- God is not a respective person. Now, this man doesn't have four four then had a slew of kids by four different women just this year alone. And you don't think that God was going to, you know, he was going to have to answer to God for what he had, for what he did. And I was just like, huh? Not even biblical girl. Like what? And that's, and that's my problem with the church. It's like, and and my issue is somebody's going to see that and make an opinion about God. And if yep. you ever want to piss me off, misrepresent God. Mm-hmm. I I I can't take that because at the end of the day, like I just said, somebody's going to see that and they're going to take your representation as truth and they're going to be turned off to God. Mm-hmm. And that's why in my life, I try to live as openly as, and transparent as I can. And that's not to say that I'm 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 always you know putting my business on the internet and on social media because that's never going to be me. I'm too private of a person for that. But at my dinner table, I've shared more, more stuff than I probably should have ever shared. But it's 
but my heart is always, I want to show you one that I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. I want to show you how imperfect I am. And I right. want to show you not just when God is blessing me, not just when I got it right, but I want to show you when I got it wrong because I want to show you how God, how God loves me even in that. You know, and I think, I think when, I think, not even I think, I become disgusted with people who say they carry the name of God, which is love, and use his name to spew their hate, their disgusts, mm-hmm. their preferences. I can't take that. So, yeah, I'm out of free minutes, too. I, you know, I just ran out of unlimited minutes. How about that? I mean, I don't have the unlimited and, data playing no more. Yeah. I got yeah. I'm back to Boost Mobile. Where you at? Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's so let's let's just go and ask Marvin Marvin Gay a question. What? Marvin who? Yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> you know who the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Marvin Gay, what what's going on? What is it? We have since we talked about Nick Cannon, we have Nick Cannon going viral one day because of a print, and then we we grieve him with him the very next day. Marvin, Marvin I, I I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I mm, I don't know, I don't know. I, <laughs> Me no say. I have the confusion. I am confusion. I have big confusion. Man, this man done trended two days in a row. And I just I just have to be confused. It went from prince to death. My God. And then and then when he went live, talk uh, getting ready to talk, you know, t- he was prepping, he was doing pre-show, and he was just talking and praying and all this stuff with his audience. I'm reading the comments, and people in the in the comments, why this man is praying, talking about. Okay, what about the print though? And I'm just like, have y'all no decency? Have no. you no couth? This man is talking to his savior, and you are you are you are undressing this man. I, I mean, but he gotta know. Like, come on, my well endowed brothers, you gotta know if you gonna wear the skinny jeans, the you know tight slacks. Be it super skinny or skinny, you got to wear the boy briefs because the boy briefs gonna pack that thing up in there and tuck it. But if you're his, wearing his, boxers, if you're wearing anything else, that thing gonna be right, gonna be right here. Because here's my thing: we can't help it. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, and this is what this is what I tell people because every time I'm I post a picture in some shorts and. I make sure that there's no print in my pictures because I don't like that kind of attention. It gets really annoying after a while. It gets very annoying. Um, And then people just start treating you like you're a piece of meat. Mm -hmm. But even in the instances where I know the picture does not have a print, my DMs get flooded like, okay, print. Like, okay, what are you saying? Because it's not there. That's the print police. They be looking for police. Uh Uh-oh, police. They be looking for shit. Mm. Mind your business. See, I wasn't I want gonna do you like you did me. Mind your business. I'm my brother's keeper. I'm my brother's keeper. I'm, I wasn't gonna do you like like you did me, Kane. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I I I think 
just very much so like we talk about in relationships all the time. If you look, if you go into something looking for something, you're going to see it. Whether mm-hmm. it's the truth or imaginary, you're going to see it. So I think, I think, I, I, I think it's a responsibility on both ends. I'll say that, that you have, you have to wear the, the correct supportive, you know, undergear. And then the audience members, why you, why your attention going right there anyway? You want to see it. You looking for something. So you're going to see that. My question is, what was he thinking about that had him at full attention on the damn show? I don't know. I'm a man and it happens to me sometimes. You just go, you know, you you know, it does. It just, you know, in the morning when I ride. Stay off that macaroon. (laughs) You know, and you know, he might have had his coffee. You know, coffee does other things to me too. So, you know. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. The other thing that I want to, like, like Jesus, this, this one, I'm not going to ask Marvin Gaye. This one for you, Jesus. Uh, Is there something you want to tell us? Because for there to be a blizzard in Hawaii (laughs) and not a drop of snow in Denver, Colorado yet, what's happening? Global warming. I have big confusion again because my savior, a blizzard in Hawaii, that the people have gone to Hawaii to avoid that kind of behavior. Well, you know, the church folks will say he's coming back. Baby, these lasting evil days. <laughs> Baby, how many lasting evil days? I was about to say, y'all been saying that for the last <laughs> decade since, since Y2K. The last two. Baby, it was, <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was the transition from 1999 to year 2000, the new millennium. Right. Uh, then it was 2012. Oh, the Lord is, this is the year. <laughs> this is the year. Get your hearts ready. <laughs> uh, baby, December, baby, January 1st, 2000, 2013, I was like, now nah, I feel manipulative. <laughs> I am manipulative. Because... We all still here. I was doing my good praying too, like Lord. When did that happen? Lord. I didn't know about that. When did they have a blizzard? Sunday. They had a Dairy Queen. Oh Lord, baby, it was a, a Dairy Queen. Oh, yeah, the blizzard sound good right now. Some ice cream it really do. Really good. Really I've been good. eating like four ice cream sandwiches before I go to bed a night. That and I know that cannot be good. But I'm gonna put y'all Walmart's ice cream sandwiches. They are dollar twenty twenty nine. They are so good. You get twelve in a box. Now they gonna melt. They gonna melt before you hit your room. You gotta <laughs> eat it quick. You gotta eat it quick. But they good. That's why it's a dollar twenty nine. <laughs> They good, baby. You take that joke. You take that joker out the freezer and take the wrapping off of it. the the bread part of it is already peeling off on the paper, and uh, it's, but it's good, baby. That thing is not frozen. Then that's what you're saying. It's no, not it's frozen because my uh-uh. freezer got pork chops in it and everything just froze. Me too. Hard as a doorknob, but you, baby, that ice cream sandwich, baby, it, it's forever soft. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't gotta thaw that out, child. I ain't got a thought out. Um, did anything else happen? Oh, uh, yes. Ooh. Oh, go ahead. This justice situation. Mm-hmm. At the bathhouse. Baby, if you was just, if y'all was just having a lover's quarrel, baby, y'all could have just came out and said that. Just say y'all did not have to. Y'all did not have to waste these taxpayers' dollars 
to go take up time in these people's court to find out the inevitable. <laughs> You're like a little dick every now and then. You know, you just had a you just had an encounter with your DL lover. I did. And you you staged this whole this whole attack. And see, this is what I this is this is seriously, this is what I hate about this and about how sensitive. Oh, how can I say this? It it makes it it makes it hard to be sensitive to these kinds of things because people are using it to their advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. Fabricating stories. And then, yeah, fabricating stories. So then, you know, when when the real people who are being attacked come out and say, hey, I've been attacked, everybody's eyebrows are raised and eyes squinted like, do you just want some attention? Mm-hmm. And I I hate that. It happens with the Me Too movement. It happens with every, you know, people try to take these moments and maximize on them. And then when the people who really need the help in the, in the media attention, it's not offered to them because you've broken their trust. And the thing is, he didn't even, he didn't even need, you know, he had his little empire thing. And like, I, he didn't need the cloud. He didn't need, that's what, like, I can, not that I allow it, but I can understand somebody who doesn't feel relevant and they find something crazy to say, or they do something crazy to be relevant. I can get that. But like, he didn't, he didn't need that. You know, granted, he sings like a billy goat, whatever. But, you know. It is what it is. The show was cute. Um, I just, he was making a nice little coin. Not as much as Taraji, obviously, but you make it six figures. I mean, you know, per episode. So you don't need the money either. <laughs> Baby, what I more take it. could he do? <laughs> okay. This clap is going <laughs> to me out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think that that's crazy. And instead of just coming out and saying, hey, guys, I lied. Now he's throwing everybody else under the bus. He then brought Don Lemon into the mix. And I'm just like, see? See? But that's that's how liars do. That Before they come out and say, hey, it was me, they'll watch everything crash and burn. And mm-hmm. those are the kinds of people that I do have. I do not have any kind of respect for. I don't care how talented you are or the lack thereof. I, it's a no for me. I agree. So what you had to ask Marvin? That was it. That was it for me. Oh, that was it. It was. It was. Yeah, Sister Smollett. However you say her name. (laughs) Not Sister Smollett. Okay, I'm not. mm -mm. I ain't gonna even do it. All right. So (laughs) let's just jump into the topic. And I think I think this is going. This is going to be. Um a really heavy thing because I have my opinions. I have, it's, it's heavy. Even my list of things to even bring up is heavy. Um, so today, today's episode, we're discussing the church. We're talking about the taboos of the church. We're talking about, um, why there's been such a disconnect, um, in church going, um, I'm not going to even just blame it on COVID. Um, Although COVID has been a major factor in why people have, you know, much like the office at job in in the uh, corporate America, um, 
what people are not returning back to the office or to the building. Um, but even before COVID, we we started seeing a decline in church attendance. Like my grandmother's day, my mama's day, like churches were packed and mm-hmm. churches were the place to be. Um, it was, oh no, we don't miss a Sunday. We don't, anytime church is open, we're there. Period. And to see that decline that we can barely now even get people to come one day out of the week. Um, we want to investigate that. Um, so again, we have uh, Brittany here with us. Um, now, Brittany has disclosed that she left the church. You know, she's a PK, so born and raised in the church, but she left 2017. So we wanted to, we, I wanted to bring someone on so that we weren't just making assumptions because I believe me and Jeremy are still very active in church. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring someone, someone in who had um, not necessarily had the church experience, but someone who was not actively going to church just so that we didn't, we weren't making assumptions and we could hear from that person's mouth. Why I don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think that's where a lot of times we get in trouble, especially from a church standpoint. Um, whenever you're left to your conclusions and your assumptions, you're going to get it wrong, and you're going to misdiagnose what the real issue is. So it's always good to have both sides present. Um, so on YouTube, Jude the Jude Three Foundation or program. Um, has a series called Why I Don't Go. So I challenged the co-hosts to um, watch this with me. Uh, and we would talk about, you know, we would listen to them and see, you know, kind of the gist of why people were, were you know, leaving the church um, in droves. And we would discuss. Um, so with Brittany being here, we can kind of, you know, have this discussion with her and, you know, just really be in the mix. Um so a question I want to start out with is what drew you to the church? What did you love it when you, for those of us that are still there, for those that walked away, when you were a part of it, what was it that you loved about it? Or did you ever love anything about it? For me, um, like you said, I was born and raised in the church. Uh, it was all I knew for a huge, actually, majority of my life. When I look back on it, I'm 30 now. I've only been out of the church what, three years now. So the majority of my life was centered around church, um, Monday prayer, whew, Wednesday Bible study, Friday choir practice, Saturday yard sale, hot dog sale, Sunday church. It was always, I mean, that was center of my life. So um I love the church. Let me let me say that because I think when people disconnect themselves, the first thing people say is, you know, oh they don't love God anyway or they don't love the church. No, I I love the church. I love everything about the institution of church. Um but there's just some things about the institution of church that going forward, especially when we're talking about bridging the gap that the church has to admit is just not working. It's not working. Yeah. Um, so 
I miss the hand clapping. I miss the. I miss the. I like testimony service. We grew up in old school church. Well, we would have testimony service. You know, we would have foot washing. We would have. I mean, old school church. So that's a huge part of who I am, and I still love it. Still love it to this day. So. I see. I can see it, Jeremy. Um. I mean, I grew up in a house, and we talked about this before, but. You know, my parents specific mm, these words tonight. My God, mighty Savior, send help, send help. Send Rosetta Jesus. Stone, Lord. <laughs> um, specifically, my mom. She did not want to hear any secular music in the house, and was you know my middle brother. He was a, you know he made his beats and you know shit like that, but <laughs> baby, it was KHVN in my house. KHVN in the car. Um, so I grew up, that was where we had to go, period. You know, Sundays for sure. But then as I got older, you know, I got into choir and, you know, the mime team and everything else. And so, yeah, for me, it was Sundays, Sunday mornings, sometimes 745 and 1045 and six o'clock for Baptist Training Union. Ooh, <laughs> Tuesdays for choir rehearsal. Wednesdays for Bible study, sometimes Fridays and Saturdays for whatever else, you know, um, witnessing and, you know, all that stuff or going to the shelters and nursing homes and singing and all that crap. But, um, (laughs) but I, one thing about my childhood that I love to this day is like the church that I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm back in my home church now, but growing up, like our youth department was amazing. Like I'm so blessed that we had a thriving youth department, like everything was on point. So that's what, you know, I looked forward to that, but, um, I didn't get saved until I was 17. So I was doing all the things, ushering, singing, but, and I got the pressure of, Oh, you need to get baptized. But it wasn't until I was like, I'm not ready Mm -hmm. because what you all have identified as Christianity and what it means to be saved. I don't know if I want that yet. So I will never forget when I went down and I said, I wanted to be baptized. Everybody was like, you've been doing all this stuff and you ain't, I needed to know for myself. I needed to come to an understanding for myself. Oh yeah, Cause baby, the Baptist, you can't do nothing when you ain't baptized. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, but yeah, I just, the fellowship and you know, day camp, and all the trips and everything, it just, yeah. you know, I loved it. But like, you know, like you said, Britt, just some of the things that happen, yeah, it ain't it ain't what it's supposed to be. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so for me, um, I am churchy. Like I am churchy. <laughs> um, I loved, I what I loved the most about church was that I got to people watch for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. church, is, church is the funniest place. Um, it is the reason why I am so funny. I learned my timing in church. I learned, um, I learned, like I used my church, my because my family, my church was family. So um, <laughs> that's why people, when they come to church with me, they just, I can't sit next to you. Like commentary, like, all of this I got from church. Um, church was the place I felt safe as a kid. 
Um, I didn't feel safe at home. I didn't feel safe at my grandmother's house with my cousins. I, I felt safe at church. Um, and because it, it was like, I was a very imaginative kid. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord, for that word. Um, and uh, <laughs> and like I would be like mystified, like ooh, ooh, especially so. I was born in a Pentecostal church. I don't remember the Pentecostal church though. I remember going to my grandmother's church, which was a Baptist church, and I remember people getting happy or halfway happy, and they just hollering and getting stiff, and you know, if they did get to jumping. You know, hear Usher come with a fan, like, you know, yep. Yep. we don't do that over here. So I remember being uprooted from my grandmother's church and we went, you know, as they tell me, back to the Pentecostal church. And I remember seeing somebody shout for the first time. I thought they were like going crazy. Like I thought somebody was scared. And then my mom, a prophet called my mom down to the front. And that's when she rededicated her life to God and got saved. And she was doing all this purging and snotting. And then she started shouting, baby, I thought they were trying to kill my mama. <laughs> I said, oh, no, this is, I can't, no. I really, th- I, as a kid, I really thought they, were, they was trying to kill my mama. So, like, when my mama would start shouting in the pew, I would always block the pew because I was like, no, y'all not going to get to my mama this Sunday. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I, I love I loved the innocence that I once knew the church to have. Yeah. Um, the the church trips. It was very. I don't know if it was because the church was was my family, but it just felt like family. Like even the, even the people that are quote unquote really not our blood family, we still call cousins, and you mm-hmm. know, um, because church was our life. Like for me, for me, it was Monday prayer. Tuesday, midweek service. Uh, Wednesday was choir rehearsal. Thursday was Bible study. Friday night was Terry service, mm-hmm. confession yeah. night. Saturday was our only off day, um, unless we were in convocation or something. Mm-hmm. And then we in church all day Sunday. It's like literally all day where everybody bringing food to the church and we eating in between services. Um, because if we weren't having evening service, we were going to fellowship at another church, you know? So even the fellowshipping with other churches and going to other churches and, you know, the summer trips, I love that. And when I think of the church, I, I, you know, I'm instantly like hand clapping, tongue talking, hair falling out, you know, I'm seeing miracles. I'm seeing deliverance happen. You know, that's what I love about the church. Um, so let me ask this then. Why do you still go or why don't you go? Cool. Mm. That's, that's loaded. Um, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a two part answer. I will say, so I'll speak on two things. So for those that are listening, I've lived in Texas, majority of my life up until I was 21, I moved to LA for technically 11 years. I came back um, when Miss Rona happened. So I transitioned from a Southern contemporary Baptist church in Texas to a Church of God in Christ setting in Los Angeles. Two totally different things. Um, when I first started going to church in LA, 
um, I was like, y'all niggas shout too much for me. Like it's <laughs> it's yeah, y'all just had a praise break two minutes ago, you know. Cause I, I was just used to, you know, church will start at 11. We getting out, we getting out at almost two o'clock. Baby, I'm hungry. I want some chicken, you know. And baby, Baptist folks don't believe in that. Listen, you're going to stick to this program and we're going to move on. <laughs> um, but as I got more involved, like in the music ministry, which is one of my passions still to this day, I noticed like that became my reason for going. Mm. Um, and it took really several years for me to realize that I was not being spiritually fed anymore. And it's not, you know, I mean, my, that pastor's not listening, but who, if anybody from that church is listening, it's no shade to him, but I wasn't being spiritually fed. So I was going for the fellowship and the music. That was it. Mm. And so it got to a point where my career was starting to really take off and it was easier for me to be like, oh yeah, I ain't going to church today because I got a matinee show at two o'clock. Josh, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I stopped going as much, not only because I was going for the wrong reasons, but it was just easier for me to stay at home. Now the church I'm at now, I still go because my pastor, I'm being spiritually fed and I don't care what nobody say. There is no preacher like a Baptist preacher that can break down a text and it makes sense. Like, I don't have ADD or ADHD. I think I do. I don't know. But if you I start, do. if you preach from Psalms and then you start talking about something else that's not related to your text, you've lost me. Mm -hmm. You've lost me. You know, so I still go now to my home church because I'm being spiritually fed. And in addition to that, the fellowship and I have a responsibility on the praise team. And, you know, it's, it's, everything's full circle for me now, but as far as my church in LA, yeah, I stopped going because I under I realized that I was going for the wrong reasons. Yeah. For okay, me. And I love a Baptist preacher. Um, for me, I want to say it like this. The math wasn't mathing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Was growing oh up, um, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, so I grew up in a Baptist church until I was 18. When I was 18, I got my first car. I was like, I'm out of here. I left and started transitioning. I went to a Pentecost church, ended up in an apostolic church. So that was like a huge night and day my God. for me. But even through that transition, the math still was not mathing. <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, like you have the fans and, you know, all black churches had a fans. Some of them have the mm -hmm. home. Martin Luther some King. Some have MLK. And then you got some with this picture of a white, blonde, hair, blue-eyed Jesus on them. Yes, yes. And so I was like, in my mind, Jesus was this blonde-haired, blue-eyed <laughs> character. And so at the age of 18, 19, I actually started going through the Bible like myself. Because, you know, when you're in church as a child, you're not really reading the word. You're going off of what the pastor is. Whatever the pastor mm -hmm. is preaching, that's law. Right, so whatever right. he or she says, that's what it is. 
you know, I wasn't reading. I wasn't researching for myself. I wasn't studying. Like, if you said it, okay, whatever you say, we're going with it. But as I got older and I actually started reading the book, I realized that it just wasn't giving because I'm looking at this book. It takes place on the continent of Africa. If we can just be real about it, you know? And I'm just like, how do we have this white, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus? And we're, that ain't even scripture. Geographic, like it's just not making sense. And then I'm reading the text, and the text is like he had hair like wool, feet like bronze, and I'm just like, <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> so for me. <laughs> like I'm being I'm being funny about it, but for me, honestly, and I think for a lot of people, uh, in and I want to say in the black church, and I even want to say in the white church, if there are some of our mayonnaise brothers and sisters listening, I think that <laughs> okay. we have we need to have a discussion because if your Jesus is blonde hair, blue eyes, and my Jesus got hair like this, then. <laughs> Something is wrong, but we're all supposed to be worshiping the same person or the same mm-hmm. um, deity. I want to say it like that. And see, these are the conversations we don't want to have. Like, yeah. are we all praying to the same person? <laughs> that's that's very valid. Um, that's very valid. So I started asking these questions, and I believe a lot of people. Now, because we're in an era, we're in an age of information. Like, if you got one of these, information is yeah. at your fingertips. Yeah. You can Google. You can say, "Hey Siri." You can say, "Hey Alexa." You can Google, and information is right there. So, I think it's important that we start having these conversations because knowledge is out there. It's not hidden anymore. And yeah. so, with knowledge not being hidden anymore. Uh, a lot of our, our younger generations, I'm saying younger than me, I'm a millennial, but younger than me, I'm saying 20 on down, they're feeling like me. Wait a minute, the math ain't mathing. It's not adding up. Um, and so for me, that's what turned me off towards the church because sometimes when you ask these questions, especially when you ask them in church, first of all, if you ask them in the wrong setting, they're going to tell you you out of order, straight up. You out of order. Mm-hmm. You can't ask these questions, baby. <laughs> um, and and sometimes <laughs> they'll even be like, you know, ask me this in my office. Don't ask me this in front of the whole congregation. And so I, I think it's important that we have discussions like this because I believe that there are a lot of questions people are having because, like I said, that it's not adding up for a lot of people historically. Um, and the text is not adding up. So that was the biggest thing that turned me off. Like, baby, my, my Jesus look like this now. And if your Jesus don't look like this now, hey, I, 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 that's that's a very interesting perspective, and I say interesting because typically when you hear people say, "Oh, I, I stopped going to church," it's more so because something happened, like right. uh, they feel, you know, you know. Um, so it's interesting to hear that your reason was more so rooted in information or the lack thereof um i can actually attest to that because um and i can answer from both ends of the spectrum as well because there was a season that i actually stopped going to church too um 
I gave myself a pass about it because it was, oh, I'm in college now. So, you know, they always taught me that I was only supposed to be a member of one church. So my church Mm. is back home in Dallas. So I ain't got to go to church, you know, and that was before streaming was really a thing. So, you know, mm. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, what I love, what I love about the church is the solution it is. Mm. I love at core, and I'm going to break this down. I love at the core of what the church is supposed to be. I love what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. I love what the church is supposed to be, Mm -hmm. Um, which is an answer, which is a light, which is a safe place, which is um, a place of rehabilitation. Hospital. Yeah. Yeah, I love that about the church. I love that church could potentially become a place where there is no judgment where people can come worship and come express themselves in their love for God and feel his presence um, authentically and not this manufactured stuff people do now. Um, I love, to simply put it, I love what the church is supposed to be. Um, What made me leave the church was actually an incident. My brother died, and I talked about this last week. Uh, my brother died. I left church because I was I, I was actually mad at God. It's like, yeah, you've disappointed me for the last time, fam. Hmm. And because because I was introduced to a God who was a genie, and not a God who was a father and sovereign and the one that wants the best for me, hmm. and not just the best for me, but the best for all of his children, um, being taught incorrectly, or or I sh- let me not say being taught incorrectly, because I mean that's the truth of what it was. But I don't think that was their intent to teach me incorrectly. That's just what they believed at the time. Um, and it's not that it was the, the it's not that the lesson was even always verbal. It was in how I saw them approach God. Um, Yeah. I didn't want that. And because I'm prophetic, I would always hear God. So I wanted to be the furthest thing from the church. And because I was upset and mad, I said, I'm going to go do everything I want to do. Everything that they say, that they told me offended God. And of course going to church. Yeah. Boom. You're going to hell. Hmm. Um, I got saved at 16 and I wanted God so bad, but the gospel that was preached to me was unattainable. I lived in condemnation Yes. from 16 to, you know, to like stop going. And it was like, I have these urges, um, and I would I would literally go like I'm gonna be very open. I I was very sexual. So I was I I wanted to have a, I was having a lot of sex with a lot of women. Like I was 
And if and if it wasn't that, then it was porn, and I was masturbating a lot, like just because the sky was blue, and I would feel so condemned. Mm-hmm. And I would, and you know, they taught us that we had to confess our sins. So every time we sinned, we had to call somebody and, you know. Um, so I remember, I remember the sheer fear and the sheer fear of being judged because, dang, I'm about to, I got to call this person again and tell them. <laughs> so I would, I would start trying to circumvent that process and I would start trying to call somebody else. I would call different people like, hey, pray, can you pray with me? I just sinned. You know, and even like even the thought of that right now makes me nauseous. Um, but that was my life, and that's what I thought it was. And I, you know, Facebook memories. Oh Jesus, I I delete so much stuff now because I I I was so nasty. Like because I like what I mean now. I don't mean the typical Josh nasty. I mean like. <laughs> I mean the um, like the dogmatic. I mean the dogmatic nasty, like um, not compassionate. You know, very harsh to what I did not understand. That kind of nastiness. But that that was the nastiness that I saw coming up. Oh, you don't you don't speak in tongues? Oh, mm. you not you Pentecostal? You not apostolic? You ain't you not apostolic? You ain't saved. You ain't saved. And I I can't hang around you because you're not saved. Mm -hmm. I have to come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord. You know? Um, Yeah. It's that. Uh, One of my friends tweeted today. um, He said this. And this was the absolute truth. Um, He says... Hold on, wait now. Where is it? Because I don't. I know I screenshotted it. Go on and filter through that nasty stuff. Here it is. Boom. Shut up. He said, um, <laughs> "Bad theology in church culture is part of the reason so many saints have the I almost lost my mind testimony. Woo! All the undue stress and pressure. Wow. And I said that is the ultimate truth." I would literally go into the bathroom and, and pray, Lord, please don't let my penis get hard anymore until I get married. Like, that's crazy. Do you know, do you know how, how upset with the Lord I would be if he answered that prayer? <laughs> but because of the conditioning of the mind, you do those extremist things because it's like, if if the if the Lord come back tonight and you 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 did anything remotely wrong, you gonna miss him, right? right. And like hearing that right now, it it makes me nauseous because I'm like, that's so not the truth. But I I I totally understand the the lack of truth, and even so, because I'm a minister, um, I was not liked a lot when I preached at my home church. Because my revelation was too much for them, hmm. the, like literally, I can count. I can go, I can pop up there on a regular Sunday on any given Sunday, and their messages don't go beyond. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You got to yeah. be filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, it's it's the same message just by different people. And to your point, Jeremy, when it was time for me to leave. 
because I felt because I felt so condemned about um, ever leaving my church. It was like no, you know, it was told you ain't gonna leave a church until the Lord tell your leader. So I'm the Lord is telling me Josh leave, mm-hmm. and I'm telling the Lord no because you got to tell my leader. <laughs> right. And and uh oh, and um. Yeah, I fought with the Lord for an entire year. And it was not until the last Sunday that I was there that the Lord said to me, Josh, if you show up again, you're going to die. Wow. And my ex-girlfriend, she's now gone on. She's passed. Um, She looked at me. She said, Josh, you don't look well. She said, you look like you're dying. And this was my confirmation. And she said, Josh, if you need to go, I will miss you, but do what God said. That's deep. And I still try I still try to disobey that, but that was the very that was the same week I found out all the drama behind my my dad's situation and I went to my pastor to have a conversation uh and he told me that he wished I never found out. When I heard that my spirit jumped and said, "See, this is why you have to leave." Because what I heard was I wish you never came into the truth because now that you're into the truth, we can't control you and manipulate you anymore. That's what I heard in my spirit. And that was the last time I showed up to that church. Not showed up, but that was the last that was the last day I was a member. I left the church on a Tuesday night. Wow. Um because what I what I I would preach or pour because I was worshiping over there too. I was worship leader. So I would do all these things and I would pour like I would worship God. I would have experiences with God in my room at home. Like there were like nothing that I had ever experienced. It was to the point that when I moved out and went to college, my mama never really went in my room. My mama turned. um, She when I moved out, she turned my room into some shoe room or shoe closet, whatever. When she was setting it up, she she called me. She was like, Josh, what were you doing in here? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, Josh, the Holy Ghost is in. It's just so much peace in this room. Like I would lit, like the presence of God would literally be in my room as a kid. And um, I would go to church and I would worship. And they talked about me because I was the type, I'm going to bow. I'm going to fall on my knees. I'm a, I'm a cry. I'm a, I'm radical. And then the revelation that I had at that young age, it was not, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. It was the gospel. I would preach the gospel and I would preach revelation. And for years, and this is why I doubted myself prophetically for so many years, it was because they saw it, but they tried to, because they couldn't control it. So whenever I would tell tell people what, what God told me prophetically, because God would always speak to me in the kitchen. He still does. Like when I'm cooking, that's when I hear God. Weird, but it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they would always laugh at my revelations or they would, I would always hear whisperings. Um, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to shut up. Um, when I was moving back from college, I felt the burden of the Lord. And I got extremely sad. And God's heart was broken. And I was like, what is this? And I started seeing all of these young people 
oh, Josh, don't cry. I started seeing all of these young people. And I was like, Lord, what is this? And he was like, Josh, they want me. They want me. They don't want that. But they want me. Yeah. And I, I was like, well, I, I was like, what do I do? What, like, why are you telling me this? I, I knew I was moving back home. And my uncle, who was the pastor, who is the pastor, you know, he trusted me. And when I would come home, he would, I would help him out. And that's when I did my very first conference. And the conference is called I Want to See the Man. And it was no pretense, no Jesus, no fluff. So I took out what I knew to be a church program. I took all of that out. And it was just worship and word. And I had that. And so many people came and were blessed and freed by it. And then I get word back from my mama and my pastor. Oh, well, Josh must be gay because you see how many gay people were here? And I'm I'm celebrating the fact that people who would not have normally stepped into a church. They showed up. They showed up and they received and they were talking about it. And then I got to come back to, oh, what Josh doing? Because... Why, 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 why gay people like him? Why this kind of person like him? What is Josh really into? That that crushed me, and it made me not want to do ministry. But I was I I still showed up every week to do ministry, knowing people were talking about me, knowing that people when all I wanted to do was worship, and help people. Like it was so bad that the praise team would pick the songs that they were going to sing that that morning and their their basis on songs was oh we sound good singing that oh Ooh, this is the song that he knows so and mm-hmm. my heart would be grieved because i was like well what happens when somebody comes in who is suicidal and needs the presence of god you you're worried about how you sound and what song what song you like I couldn't take that. That was killing me. And I was pouring. I was pouring all I had and nobody had the capacity to pour back into me. And I would I would go home and I would be sad because I would say, God, I experience more of your presence in my room at home than I do there. I said, there has to be something more. Mm-hmm. And... I started going out of obligation and I started going because I knew people needed what I had to offer them. And I started Ooh. dying. I started mm-hmm. dying and they were, nobody was concerned about that. They were just concerned about my gift. They were just yeah. concerned about, Oh, Josh, the people love Josh. They were just concerned about, Oh, Josh, your worship is just, Oh, they were concerned about, they were concerned about my performance, but they couldn't see my soul. And when I left, they tried to make me feel bad. And they told me that I was not anointed anymore. They told me that I, I left because I, was, I wanted to go live in a world of sin. They said I left because I wanted to go be a homosexual. Um, and it was just like, where did y'all get any of this from? I, I just found it interesting that I was anointed when I was here. But because I'm not here, I'm not anointed no more. Hmm. And then 
you know, they try to make you feel bad because to to this day, on a Sunday morning when they ask for prayer requests, my mom gets up and says, just pray for my son and my son and daughter that they that they be saved for real. What is that? And I'm praying for my yeah, and I'm praying Mm -hmm. for my son to come back to to come back to his foundation. And I keep sending word to somebody to tell her, stop saying that because that's stupid. That sounds stupid. That's like that's like want me being collegiate and wanting me to go back to third grade. <laughs> that sounds offensive and it sounds shady, but that's it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. That served that and that part served its purpose. That that church served its purpose in help help helping to shape a foundation. But I needed something to build on top of that foundation. You know? So I see both sides. It's when you said you started going out of obligation, baby, let me tell you, it's it's eye-opening to me. And I had to to take this same perspective you know, at work too. If I die tomorrow, they're going to have a substitute in that classroom. Same thing for church. Somebody else going to be leading worship. Somebody else going to be directing. Some, But it was so implanted in my head that I have to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they need my gift. And that's not an arrogant thing. I knew what God placed inside of me and, you know, my late minister of music, when she passed, that was, Ooh, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like that was one of the hardest deaths that I've ever experienced. Like to the point where pulled up to the church, saw the cats, you know, saw the hearse and started hyperventilating. That's never happened before, but she was such a, she was such a, a tool that I didn't know that I needed until I needed it. Um, and so when I started directing and teaching and, you know, leading praise and worship, you know, people was like, oh, Jeremy, you just, it's so different when a male is leading praise and worship. It's like, okay, I'm not sure what that means, but thanks. Um, but not knowing it subconsciously, I was taking all of that and saying like, oh, I got to do it. Oh, oh, I need to, I, I have to do this. And then it, like, like you said, it became out of obligation. But it wasn't until I had that revelation, like, nigga, stay your ass at home and let somebody else do it. Mm. And stop letting people, there's a, it's a, it's a thin line that I'm still learning because it's hard for me to say no, but you have to be careful that people don't abuse your gift, but they appreciate your gift. And there's a thin line between those two very often, especially when, and I, I'll say it, like, I felt like my pastor, he did that. He he didn't. He appreciated my gift, but for the most part, he was abusing my gift. Yeah, and he tried to manipulate me to feel like, oh, if I don't do this, then this is going to happen, or this is going to happen. And then one more thing, when you talk about anointing, I that word it drives me crazy because it's so funny to me, and it's really I'm gonna be talking about culture folk all night. And I'll, if you're listening, good. Because <laughs> let me tell you something about these Church of God in Christ people that are so fucking shady to me. Case in point, Joyce Rogers' funeral. This was Myron Williams' like debut as you know the minister of music of all of all of Kojic. And I sat with a group of people 
who were so judgmental of him. And I'm like, first of all, baby, if you don't know your music, <laughs> Myron Williams, got he got the oil, period. Oh, listen. Period. <laughs> so, but it's just, it's, it's so funny how people, how anointing is subjective. Like, yeah. oh, you know, like, oh, you drinking? You're not anointed. Oh, you doing this? You're not anointed. It, it, it drives me crazy. But church folks, they just get so caught up in these accolades and these titles and everything else that, oof. Yeah, a lot can go on and on. The the people don't really know what the anointing is because they don't study. Right. Um, So a lot of what people call the anointing is emotionalism and talent. And if you make the hair stand up on my on my hand Mm -hmm. on my arm when you sing, oh that baby anointed. anointed. No, 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 no. But this is why the Bible and see this show always brings the preacher out of me. The Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. Mm-hmm. The yoke is the thing that that they placed on the oxen to steer them, to direct them. When the Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke, that means it it causes a change of position. It causes a change of direction. It causes a mind shift. You will whenever whenever you're in the presence of the real anointing, your posture changes. Absolutely. Your posture changes, and that posture will then change a, a direction. But that's not—I'm not, not going to preach tonight. But a lot of what people—and see, this is this is one of my issues with the church. Church rhetoric—it just does not work. It does not yes. work for me. I hate church rhetoric because what you really do is you 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 don't give people real tools. You give them these colloqu- colloquialisms that are not in the Bible. One of the ones I really hate is when praises go up, blessings come down. That is not scriptural. It is not scriptural at all. And then what you do is you raise prostitutes in the kingdom of God to say, oh God, if I praise God, God's going to give me what I want. He's not a mm-hmm. pimp. You mm-hmm. create this trans... Dwayne talk tonight you you create this transactional relationship with god because everybody wants something Mm -hmm. everybody wants something you don't praise god because you want something that's what that's what prayer is for you you bring your petitions and your supplications to god in prayer you praise for what god has already done it's a command (laughs) so it's it's my issue is the church gives people Bible, but they don't give people real life application. And what I always say is to give me just Bible, you give me, you don't prepare me for real life. And to just give me real life application, you don't prepare me for the spiritual side of things. There has to be a balancing of the two. For for the biblical principles you give me, you must give me real life application. Otherwise, it does not work. You have to give the people real tools. I want to piggyback off uh, what he was saying before you jumped in, Josh, because he said something that was such a pet peeve of mine. You find a lot of people in the church who are there for the accolades, for the titles and all of this. But there's a why behind that, because most church people do not have a life outside of church. And so within those four walls, that's the only place that they're relevant. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh, the only place that's the they one. build their, their self-worth or their self-esteem. 
And so when you have people like that who are not relevant in their communities, they're not relevant in their um, jobs, in their schools, they're not only place they're relevant is in the church. Then you create a generation of people who are always title chasing. They're always clout chasing. It's like a, yeah. almost like a high. It's like a church high. Yes. You have to get the yes. next title. You got to get that next elevation. It becomes gotta, competition. Yeah, they, it, they start yeah. competing for titles. And it becomes more than I'm anointed to do this. It becomes I need to do this because mm-hmm. it builds who I feel like I am. It builds my self-worth. Mm-hmm. My Lord. My, self-esteem and so this is why honestly if you want to be truthful this is why you have a generation of bishops that are 20 and 30 because you have so many people that are chasing the elevations the titles the clout but don't understand what comes with this they're not relevant anywhere else i always tell people if you are you know a pastor or um in the clergy or whatever the case may be, that's fine and dandy. But who are you outside of these exactly. walls? Who are you in your community? Does your city council know you? Does your county council know you? Do you volunteer? I mean, you know, who are you outside of church? That's a real thing. That's that's a very real thing. And I'm glad you brought that up because, <laughs> you know, I, I even had to, I had to read somebody in my immature days. I had to read somebody. Uh, because it it became a battle of who going to sing the song. Well, I sing the song better, so I'm going to sing the song. And I had to tell this person, oh, I understand your frustration. I'm chasing God in his glory. My, my, my focus and my agenda is the presence of God. You want attention. And I said mm-hmm. to, I said to mm-hmm. that person, I said, that makes sense because this is the only place that you are relevant. That makes sense mm-hmm. because this is it for you. I'm kingdom. I'm not called to the four walls of this church. My destiny is so much greater than these four walls. I said, so if you want it that bad, you'll go ahead and do it. Mm. But, and, and the thing is, and this is one of the things um, that I'm so glad that I know the voice of God because God told me even with what I, what he's called me to do. He said, Josh, it will not look like church, but it will be kingdom. And that freed me so much because my problem even coming up was, and this is the conversation I had with God at nine. I know I'm called to preach. I know I have a word in my belly. I know I'm anointed, but I don't want to stand behind anybody's pulpit every Sunday. I do not want to do that. So my my thing was, Lord, I act. If If you would allow me to let my acting career be my ministry, I promise, you know, it became that. And God has honored that. I mean, I still preach every now and then, but God has honored that. Um, but the thing for me, even when my pastor came to me and she was like, um, it's time for you to be ordained. I'm, I'm, I'm ordaining you. I wasn't excited. Everybody else was excited. I wasn't excited because titles don't move me. I'm, I'm a PK. I've been in church all my life. I, I, I know what people do behind the scenes. Like I did, I know the stresses, the stresses and the pressures of the collars and the crosses. And, you know, I didn't want that. So I went on a fast and I said, God, if you don't tell me what you're calling me to do, I'm not going to accept this. And if more people would do that, we mm-hmm. would see a lot. Of, we would see a lot less of the foolishness that we see. Mm-hmm. And what the, the, the Lord answered me on the last day of my fast, and He said, "Josh, I'm, I'm my my call for you is to bankrupt hell of those that the church threw away." And I said, "Oh, I got that." 
And even in dreams and visions, he showed me like these large masses of people. And I'm on the side of the stage and I said, God, I, I can't go out there. I, I've done too much. They won't hear me. They're going to judge me. And he says, no, no, no. You've done just enough for them to hear you. He said, all of the things that you went through that I allowed you to go through and face, even in, even the bad stuff, even the stuff that you knew to do was wrong, you did it anyway. He said, that stuff made you trans. That stuff made you relatable. Mm. And that's how you're going to win them. The, the, the ones I'm, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The ones that I'm pulling in through you, they don't want perfect. They want to. They want to know that you've been in the trenches with them. And and mm-hmm. what I'm going to do on you. I remember being 16. This is a true story. I'm 16. I'm frying pork chops in my mama's kitchen, making mac and cheese before I knew how to make it for real. So I got the the box mac and cheese, and I'm I, I'm making this mac and cheese, and the noodles have boiled. I I done drained the water from them. I'm about to cut open the cheese and pour it on it. I pour the I put the cheese on it. The cheese falls on a select few number of noodles. And the Lord says to me right in the kitchen, he says, Josh, this is what I've done with you. I've placed something on you and I'm going to place people around you. And what's on you is going to, you know, rub off on, on them. I took it little because I didn't know prophecy. I didn't understand prophecy was, was also timing. Um, so I'm looking like, okay, everybody that's around me, they about to receive the Holy Ghost. I didn't know that what God was really doing was he was establishing me even to this day that the gift, the, the, the charisma, the energy, the creativity that he's placed on the inside of the ministry, even that he's placed on the inside of me, he would make me an influencer and that people would strategically be placed around me for years and years and years to come. That would take pieces of me. I remember when I got my third book, because I didn't get it. And the Lord said, see, I did not lie to you when you were 16. And I, I, I sat in my office dumbfounded because he said, see, you, this is your third book. Pieces of you are remaining in the earth forever. Mm-hmm. And it was it was in that moment that I got it. But when the Lord told me that my call was to redeem the ones that that were thrown away, me and my pastor have the same testimony. Ministry is not showing up to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Ministry is my life. So everything that Josh does from this podcast to the films that I write to the books that I write, it does not look churchy. But it's to it's to reclaim people. It's mm-hmm. to make people feel worthy. It's to lift them up. It's to let them know that you're not you're not that bad to be thrown away. No, come here. God loves you. Everything and that and that's where people miss it. People think ministry is me getting the mic on Sunday morning. No, ministry should be your life. And if you don't know what God has called you to do, you dare not have a title. You should not have a collar or a cross. Neither should you have a microphone put in your hand, because you are dangerous. You're absolutely dangerous. So, um, yeah, it be, the church becomes this battleground of attention, and it's the only place that you are celebrated. So that's why that that's why so much mess, uh, you know, stirs up in the church because, oh, you pastor's favorite now. Let me come bring your dirt to them mm-hmm. because I really want your spot. I really want to be the center of attention because this is the only place that I get to feel like I matter. You know, it's that just resonated so deeply because I think also too, I don't know if this girl listens or not. We used to be friends, but she got a little, you know, that's not important. But I've noticed with this specific person, 
she gets so caught up in convocation and aim and all these things. And it's like, you know, when COVID happened, oh my God, I got, I got so tired of seeing that. Cause it's like, but what is your real reason for going? Yeah. Because from what I see, it's for you to dress up with your little friends, take so your you pictures so you can be seen, it's sit in the back event. and talk about people or for the guys, AKA the girls get on them apps and hook up. <laughs> Hello. I, I, you ain't fooling me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just, and it, that kind of, to see that it hurts my heart. Cause I'm like, when you don't have identity out of church outside of that, you yeah. are so lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I'm like, when COVID happened, baby, I know it was people struggling because it's like, oh, my God, yeah. what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. And it was it not, was bad. And not realizing, baby, church starts at home. Yeah. It's not in just those four walls, like Britt said. It's it's more, it's the bigger picture, you know. And, oof, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because even there, there were even a lot of pastors, and this is this is why I love my pastor. I love the church that I go go to now. My pastor told me. My pastor said, "Oh no, this COVID ain't the devil. This is God. Mm-hmm. God is the only one that can shut the entire world down." And she said, "I'm going to pay attention to my God. I'm going to pay attention to Him, because clearly He shut this down for a reason." When I tell you we just opened, we just had our first service in person September 19th of this year. Mm-hmm. Because and and you know, we were we were on Sunday school one day, and this is this vexed me because I hate when people take the scriptures and make it mean what they want it to mean. Uh one of one of the ex-ministers there, if I can call them that, um Uh-oh. was so ready to come back to church because all he saw the church was money. This is how I make. This is how I can make some money. Um, so he was like, "Yeah, we got to get back to church." The Bible says, "Do not forsake the assembling together of the, the gathering of the saints." So I, I so I jumped in. I said, "Oh, my hand is up. Um, let's not ever, let's not ever take scriptures out of context and make them to mean what they want to mean." He said, "Don't don't don't forsake the assembling together of the saints." Did not mean this building. We can we can hop on Zoom and the saints is the saints are assemble assemble. Mm-hmm. Two or three are gathered. <laughs> yeah, we we can meet up in we three of y'all can meet up in in the living room and the saints are gathered. Period. That that scripture did not mean drive to a, a brick and mortar building, because Jesus said in John chapter four, ooh, walk the Bible, Josh. He says a time is coming and now is where you won't worship God on this mountain or in your temples. Right. So it, 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 you know, a lot of people struggled and that's why the, the real reason you saw a lot of these churches open back up so quickly was because of money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was because of money. Oh, I'm not making it. I'm not making the amount of money that I would make in person. Yeah. And this ex minister called himself a prophet. And he says to me, he says, cause I'm on the media team at my church too. He says, um, yeah, I can't prophesy to nobody over through the camera. And I looked at him as a prophet. I looked at him and said, how? You to today somebody hopped on my status and asked if if I had a word for them you know because I just felt real prophetically stirred today I don't know what's happening but it, it's happening and you know I'm not I'm not one of them people that you gonna come you know turn me to into a genie like you got a word for me because if it, if I don't have one I ain't gonna say nothing so I said hmm. so I told him I said this is what I hear the Lord saying for you 
blah, blah, blah. And I went on about my day. Didn't know this man from nothing. We not he's we not Facebook friends. He sent me a Facebook friend request, but I didn't I didn't accept it. Uh-oh. Um <laughs> but I told him what I told him what the, what I heard the Lord say. And he he messaged me, but he said, Well, I've never I I I've been dealing with that and I haven't told anybody that. Mm. So to limit to limit the prophetic, that makes God weak. That means right. that God is only effective when we face to face. The devil be damned. Period. You know? Um, so I just really hate when people play on things um, like that. This is going to have to be a two-part episode. I just really hate <laughs> when people play on the things. And what I've come to realize is people aren't turned off to God. They want God. They're turned off to church, though. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's because the the this is what I say. The system of the church is so not like Jesus. So not like Jesus. The system of the church will tell you who we welcome in this church and who we don't want here. That's that's not Jesus. It's not. You know. Oh, I know what you did. Going back to that, I know I know what you did. You you not anointed because I know what you did. So when did I stop being anointed? When I did it, or when you found out? And prove to me where, where God took His anointing back from me. Furthermore, what are you doing? Exactly. You want to talk about anointing? What are you doing? Because 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 the characteristics that you have right now, accusing me is a is a characteristic of the devil. Absolutely. He's the accuser of the brethren. Jesus presents me as fault as faultless. So who who really sent you? And see, this this is when people don't like me because that's when I start discerning their spirits. And people be, oh my my gift of discernment is blah blah blah. Baby, discernment discernment by itself is not a a, spirit, a spiritual gift. That's just a human trait. Everybody can discern. If you've been through enough life, you can discern anything. The gift of the spirit is, I mean, the gift, yeah, the gift of the spirit is the discerning of spirits. That I'm not just telling you, I, I can't, I'm not just discerning what you're doing. I'm discerning the spirit in which you're operating in. That's the right. gift. Right. But people, and going back to something Brittany said earlier about the white Jesus. People have their own idea of God, but people don't know God. And that's one of the biggest disservices the church is offering. They're offering their idea and their their image of God, not the truth of who he is. And and that's they they did it. Jesus says, Who do who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Peter, and some say, not Peter, some say you're you're whoever they say, Elijah. And then he turned around and asked them, you've been walking, who do you say I am? And they didn't have a clue. It was only Peter who got revelation and said, you are are Jesus, the son of God. You are are the Christ, the son of God. So it's it's possible for people to have a... um, an image or an idea of you that is agreed upon by a community and still be wrong. Mm, and that's what we see in a lot of churches. We have, we have a lot of churches who, because that's what, that's what really culture is. A culture is a group of beliefs that people come together and say, yeah, I, I, I subscribe to that. So you have, you have a lot of churches that are cultural and not revel- revelatory. They have, they have, uh, a belief that they have culturally agreed upon and made it their God. They made their idea of God their God. 
Ooh. And they worship their idea of God. So some people have a God that's petty. Some people have a God that's all, you know, rah, rah. I'm ready to send you to hell, you know. And then you have uh, those of us that know the real God. You know, something else, too, that I've noticed um, over the last decade is that people have, along with that idea of like they think they have an idea of who God is and they don't know them for themselves, is people are putting their pastors on this pedestal. Oh, and they're becoming their God. And they're doing, you know, whatever the pastor says. Case in point, praise and worship. I love praise and worship. It's important to me. If I miss praise and worship, it's hard for me to get in service. I don't know why, but it just is. There's something about corporate worship. I just need it. But I've noticed, specifically with my senior saints, if they don't know the song, they're not getting with it. And they sit down on you. Baby, the Bible says, enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. That's what it say. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. So if I'm up here singing whatever, even if you don't know it, you know who you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Period. It's so funny to me. Once again, my church in LA. It's so funny that, you know, because we all of our worship leaders at the time were younger. So we, you know, we're more hip to the contemporary stuff. And the traditional folks are fighting it. So we get up. And we sing, you know, I, I'll talk about it. I sang Fill Me Up for the first time. It was the first time I introduced it. Baby, them people was looking at me like I was singing in Russian. Mm-hmm. My pastor gets up. I don't know what he started talking about. Next thing you know, everybody's speaking in tongues. And I'm looking like, mm-hmm. how do we, hmm, how do we, how do we get here? When just three minutes ago, you were sitting back and judging me and not participating in worship, which again mm-hmm. is a commandment. If you're going to be in the house of God, obey his commandments. We are commanded to worship. Mm-hmm. Anybody can praise. Everybody can't worship. Mm-hmm. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself having a relationship with God, no matter what the person is singing about, even if you don't know the song, there's still a, this, it's, a, it's a moment for you to reflect on who he is to you, period. Mm-hmm. So y'all got to be careful. That you don't make your pastor your God. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things my pastor says all the time when we have meetings, especially media meetings. She's like, if this is about me, if this is about Tina, we can we can pack. We can put a a for sale sign on this because because I've missed it. If this if this church is not about Jesus, what are we doing here? You know, um, so I'm fortunate to be in the place of worship that I go to now uh, because everybody don't get that. Um, but they 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 put these people on pedestals. They put their preferences on pedestals. They put themselves on pedestals. And it's just like, how? How? And that's when you get these judgmental folks uh, that, you know, can't tell you why they believe what they believe, but just know, oh, well, you know, the Bible say, child, um, it's. It's something when the institution that is so defended at large 
doesn't look like the person who originated it. I often say, if Jesus were to walk the earth in 2021, I don't think he would subscribe to, to Christianity. Uh, because it's so him. not like him. It is so not like him. And what people have done, and I say this often, people have made disciples of themselves instead of disciples of Christ. And they say, this is what I would do. So this is what I'm going to teach you to do. And it's so not like God at all. Um, so we have to we have to end this because I'm not going to give us another two, ep- two hour episode. <laughs> so we have to end this right now. But we, we are going to continue the conversation next week. Um, and for in the further discussion of, um, you know, the decline of church, the state of the church. Um, and not just what's wrong with the church, but also offer some solutions. Um, there are some things that I really want to get off my chest about that. Um, but what I will drop in your ear, just as a, a nugget for next week's episode, is the church at large is going to have to decide what side of the fence it's going to be on. You cannot heal and kill in the same place. Ooh. You can't tell me that you can't tell me come be healed and then I send you out and you got knives in your back because I put them there. Even more broken than you were when you came in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that next week. Um, since we, since, since we dragging stuff, I'm going to, um, I'm going to drag somebody that lives in my house today. Oh, Lord. I'm going to drag my, my dog because I'm sick of his ass. I really am. Uh, Tony, the Yorkshire Terrier, he went viral and he lost his damn mind. I want y'all to know that. And nobody called nobody call and asked about me no more. It's just, where Tony? Where Tony doing? Where Tony doing? Come get him. Please. Come pick him up. Because Tony is dragging my nerves. He is yet in his cage right now because he 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 lost his mind. He he wanted to ha- he wanted to act a fool. So I'm I'm going to drag I'm going to drag my 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 son, my dog Tony, uh because sir, I need you to back up off the gas. I I really need you to back up off the gas uh cuz I don't like coming home fussing at you. I don't been at work fussing at people all day. I don't want to come home and fuss at you. You supposed to be my you supposed to be my 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 um my excitement when I come home. Complete opposite. <laughs> Baby, I, I'm tired of getting down. My knee's not as good as they used to be. I'm tired of getting down on this glo- on this ground, getting eye level with you, talking to you like you stupid. So for, my, for me, for the sake of the peace of this household, please get yourself together, Tony. <laughs> Bella and Oliver, I hope you're listening because... <laughs> My God, yeah, y'all been back. So to my we dragging, all week. we dragging the pets tonight. We, we really are. Get y'all's act together because we need y'all to get it together. Um, before we close the show, we want to thank uh, our special co-host uh, Brittany. Thank you for filling in. Thank you for your awesome perspective Absolutely. and insight. Um, you are a great time. Uh, before we go off the air, this is really what is in my spirit. Um. I have two things in my spirit. The first thing is when God does what you've been praying for him to do, because he's here to do that. If you, I don't know if you are spiritual or whatever, 
but what I what I sense and feels prophetically is that we're we're entering this time of great manifestation, and the only thing that um, God keeps saying to me is, Josh, don't forget when when you get this, don't forget what I told you, don't forget why I gave it to you, don't forget what you're supposed to do with this. Um, so that's what I want to leave with you, and then also I want to leave with you to reimagine what you believe. Go back and investigate why it is that you believe what you believe and whatever you believe in, whatever you choose to believe, walk in that full heartedly and soberly. Walk in that with the understanding that just because it is your belief and conviction that it does not have to be someone else's. And just as you would want someone to respect your beliefs, respect theirs. That's what's in my spirit. Y'all got something on y'all chest y'all want to? I do. Um, uh, Two things. Well, ish. Um, Going back to the the videos that you sent us, um, something the host said, she was like, we need to start listening Mm. without judgment. And listening to understand and not always have a rebuttal. And that's something I'm working on, you know, because it's hard for me to one it's a pet peeve, but I'm working. Like if I say something to somebody and I know my intention, but they're still offended or they're still hurt, I'm gonna try to defend my case. And I'm listening to you, but I'm listening to defend and I'm listening to, well, I'm judging you because like that ain't what I said. That's your problem. That ain't what I said. So First, that's my first thing. Listen to understand and listen to not judge people. Um, the second thing, and Josh, you talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Um, church people, we love to say, you know, it could be worse or, you know. Ooh, hate it. You know, whatever. Somebody would love to be in your shoes. All that, you know, cliche shit. But uh, I follow the good quote on Instagram, hashtag follow them because this should be coming in handy. Um, So today I saw a quote that says, when someone comes to us in pain, we tend to lecture them on the positives in their life, Mm. unintentionally shaming them for their experience. Maybe we can't take away their pain, but we can validate them and offer support. We can show them they aren't alone. And I, I too, that it, resonated with me because sometimes when people come to me with like heavy shit, I try to like spin it and make it positive. And there's a thin line with that. Cause I don't want to diminish what they are experiencing. Yeah. So when people come to you, y'all, sometimes it's okay just to shut up and just let them vent. Let, even if you know the solution or you think, you know, the solution, Yeah. just let them have that moment because that moment can save them from taking their life, from doing something stupid, from whatever. Just let them do them. So yeah. that's all for me. In agreement with that, most people just just need to get it off of their chest. And yes. that's why now I ask, before when, when, when they call me and say, hey, I need to vent or something, I always ask, do you just need to vent or do you want my advice? If they say, I just want to vent, Josh, you, you're not getting no advice out of Josh. I don't care... I'm going to sit there and bite my tongue and I'm just going to shut up right? because I truly believe in letting people feel what they need to feel 
without ha- without pressuring them to remedy it. Remedy right. remedy it. Yeah. Brittany, you got something you want to leave with the people? Listen, the doors of the church are open tonight, Saints. <laughs> it's been a great time. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you for coming. All right, y'all. Y'all know what to do. Uh, Tune in, listen, invite somebody, have the conversation, um, interact with us, tell us why you don't go. Uh, If you don't go, um, leave that, rate the show, uh, share it. We'll see y'all next week. We out.